While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And when he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now, even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Luke 5, 12 through 16. Thanks, Megan. Church, you may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Great job. Welcome to Risen. Glad you're here. If you have your Bibles, invite you to uh, turn to the Gospel of Luke. If you're new with us, welcome. Thrilled that you are here to worship with us. We are continuing in our journey uh, through uh, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel according to Luke. And we find ourselves in chapter 5. I've been saying for weeks and weeks and maybe even months and months, we're taking our time. So we're, uh, we're just looking at a few verses today because they are so important. Uh, they are wonderful verses. In fact, uh, these, this story, this is mentioned three times in our Bible. Matthew mentions it to the Jew, Mark to the Romans, and Luke here to the Greeks or the Gentiles. It's this story uh, is important enough that God will not let us miss it. God will not let us miss it. It's in three of the gospel accounts. And it's the story about Jesus and this leper whom he heals. So why is this so significant? Why is this found in three of the Gospels? Uh, it's, this, it's probably this tiny little interaction in the life and ministry of Jesus. It couldn't have taken more than 20 minutes uh, as we read it in this, these interactions between this one whom Jesus meets and Jesus' interaction with this leper. Yet God highlights it here for all of us to know, for, for mankind to know, for all of human history. It's so important. Now, I want to remind us of why I believe it's so important, why I believe it's not just, uh, just sort of a one-off as Jesus is uh, beginning his public ministry, as he's gone through all that he's gone through, that, that Luke has spelled out for us. I believe it's placement here at the very beginning of his public ministry is, is vital and it's important for us to grasp. Because if you remember last week where we were in 5 verse 10, Jesus says this to his disciples, to those whom he calls and says, you're going to follow me. And he says, I'm going to make you into something new. You're not going to be fishermen anymore. Remember, these guys were just fishermen. They were working class. They were hard workers. He performed this miracle that Paige just talked about in our call to worship at the very beginning of the service. And the nets were filled with so many fish. And they had to get another boat. So much so the boats began to sink. And he gives them this picture to these fishermen. He said, no longer are you going to be catching fish. You are going to be fishers of men. I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. Luke 5, verse 10. And then this text, right after its heals, in 12 through 16, just as a few verses before, we heard Jesus say that. Now Jesus is going to give you and I a picture of, and his disciples a picture of, what is a man and a woman? 
With, to whom are we fishing for? What does it mean to be a fisher of men? What does it mean that we're going to not uh, be identified by just our vocational work, but have this spiritual and this call to go and make fishers of men? And Jesus in the story and the placement of where we find it is gonna say, this is a man. This is whom you will be fishing for. This is the one whom God will save. This is the one whom we will fish. Who is a candidate for salvation, in other words? Who is worthy of this, that we would be fishers of men? And what we see is the salvation and healing of a leper. It would have been shocking to read this. If you can imagine... Uh, in a first century synagogue, Luke has written all this down. It's being read uh, by someone reading it in the, in the presence of uh, primarily Jews or those that have come to follow Jesus. They would have been hearing these words right after you will become fishers of men and a leper shows up on the scene. It would have been shocking. They would have been saying, no, don't, don't get near him. Don't get near him. And this is on purpose. And it's meant to jar our senses because this is how God sees sinners. And this text tells us it is for these that Christ has come. Christ will come and he will be the cleansing, healing agent to even the very bottom of the rung. Lepers were at the very bottom of the totem pole. Jesus saves the very lowest, the least, the most forgotten, the most outcast. And not only does he just show pity on them, he saves them to the uttermost and cleanses them and gives them a whole new life. He saves the very lowest to those who come by faith. And as a result, as we're reading, he, we're given a glimpse and we're given comfort and we're given hope that he will save all who come by faith if he would save this one. Luke wants us to know that without a shadow of a doubt by placing this story right here. And as we get to look at this story uh, I think what we're going to find as we read about this leper is this leper will become remarkably familiar to us, or at least he should. And when we start polishing the text, uh, I think we find our own reflection in this leper, because this is the one whom God saves. And this leper is not unlike you and I, church. Um, so we can say from this text that there is no Person, There is no creature, there is no one on earth whom God will not open his arms to if he would open up his arms to this leper. It is a glorious passage of hope for the utterly hopeless. And that's who Jesus says, this is who I've come for. And he's showing us on purpose this. Now, a leper in biblical times... Uh, is quite often sort of a figure or a caricature or a picture of what sin is. Um, when you go back and look at Hebrew concordance, when uh, leprosy is talked about, even in the Old Testament, it's, it's, it's talked about as someone stricken with leprosy. So it's been, they've been stricken with this, uh, this disease. And leprosy in the Bible is just like sin in that we're stricken with it. It's, it's, a, it's a condemnation. It's looked at as shame-filled. It has all sorts of implications for this person when you are stricken with leprosy. And a leper 
as they live their life with this disease, it doesn't take them immediately. It doesn't take them instantly. There's no cure for it. A leper dies by inches, by inches at a time. It's slow and it's painful. Um, And it creeps over the person and it never stops until it takes over their entire body until it kills them eventually. It's a debilitating disease. Leprosy causes the fingers and the toes to to soften. The skin gets very thin. It's a a disease that afflicts the skin and the tissue. They begin to roll back into your actual hands, your toes roll back into your actual feet so that in the later stages of leprosy, you can't work. It disables you so much that you can't walk. You are usually getting around with a cane or with some type of device that's helping you get around. Leprosy is disfiguring. This person that Jesus interacts with, that he sees, probably had legions all over their body, and it makes them look like the living dead. This is, uh, uh, you know, there's this fascination right now with zombies, zombie movies. I guess maybe that was 10 years ago, but not so much anymore. But everyone was making a zombie. Like, this is literally like they, they had that type of the walking dead amongst the living with what was ailing them, what was going on with them until the leprosy would eventually, the sores and all the things would, would form on their insides. I don't want to get too gruesome here until they would rupture and they would basically bleed out internally. It was a slow, painful, excruciating way to go. Um, it poisoned you from the inside. And leprosy was disabling in all of life. You tend to lose feeling in your skin. When I was researching this, uh, doctors would say that one of the most wonderful things a leper could feel would be pain. Because of what happens uh, to them physically, they no longer can feel pain, which is why most lepers had, uh, they, they, it, the sores would begin because they would hurt themselves constantly because they couldn't feel heat, they couldn't feel when they get cut, and they would walk through life injuring themselves constantly, which would uh, accelerate uh, their agony, essentially. Um, pain is a wonderful thing. It protects you as you live your life as you navigate the world. Our senses do that for us all the time. So I use my visual sense. I know that when I come over here, I have stairs to walk down and I need to step down them and I can feel the stairs on my feet so I know how to take the next one. When leprosy uh, takes hold of you, you begin to lose a lot of those senses, so much so that you would fall down and you would get hurt. And if I had such a thing, I couldn't get from here out the door without injuring myself considerably with this disease. They're not able to even navigate the world around them. But the biggest thing about leprosy that was so damaging, or even if I can say damning to them, was it made them unclean in the temple. Um, They could not approach God. They were ceremonially unclean. They couldn't worship. They couldn't approach the Holy One. And what's, what's even more is they couldn't approach other men. A leper had to stay 50 feet away from other people. 
from other men and women and children. So they were cast outside of the city walls. They were, were placed in these camps together so that they wouldn't uh, afflict and make other people unclean. And so when they did see other people walking near them, they had to wave this little doily in front of their face and declare that they were unclean, unclean, unclean. That was their existence. That was their life. Um. They lived outside the city and could touch no one. Not so much because the disease might transfer, but even more so <coughs> the gravity of that they were unclean in the sight of God. That this physical calamity, I believe, as Luke is giving it to us here, mirrors our spiritual need and our spiritual realities. Um, we are also disabled, we are also sick, we are also in grave need of a savior because of our sin. You may remember John's gospel, uh, chapter nine, verse one, uh, there's this interaction where the Pharisees are saying, for who, who's, whose sin made this man blind, Lord? Was it he or his parents? And Jesus said, for no one's sin at all, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. The works of God might be displayed in sin. So a leper culture, that was the worldview that, that most people had with people with physical ailments, especially leprosy. They would have thought, what evil has this person done? This person surely done something that God has stricken them with this disease as they navigated life. And so that was the culture in which other people would have interacted with this man with leprosy, stricken with leprosy or Hansen's disease as it's known in other places. So as a result of sort of this understanding that God had stricken them, that they had lived a life of evil and sin, whenever a leper would come near because they were seen as evildoers or as sinful people, people would not feel compassion on them. They would actually take stones to throw at them, either to hurt them or to get them to get away from them because they were evildoers. Um, I mean... Imagine the scene. This is the one whom Jesus encounters right after he says, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. And we ask ourselves, well, what does that mean? And here we're given this story. A leper who are physically, religiously, morally, and socially outcast. I mean, it doesn't get any lower on the totem pole. It doesn't get any lower on the rung. Um, you no longer could attend church or synagogue. It separated us from the Lord, separated them from the Lord and from those that they loved and the people and relationships. Leprosy is this horrifying picture of just what sin does to all of us when we live in it. Um, so I think on some level we're, we're to identify uh, with this one. Um, you shall be fishers of men. And then here is a man, a leper, the lowest totem pole. Let's look at this text together. Let's just walk through verse by verse. Verse 12. <clears throat> when he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Let's stop there. Now make a note that lepers don't approach cities. 
uh, they, they weren't allowed to. They didn't for even their own physical safety, as odd as that sounds, because they would be stoned. People, like I said, would just pick up rocks and want them out of there. We don't want this person to afflict us. They're spiritually, uh, relationally, religiously unclean. So they never came to a city because of fear of death. Now, Luke is writing this, and remember, Luke is a physician. If you've been with us since the very beginning, he was a doctor. He was a historian. He was a very educated person. And so he's writing the story from even that lens as as the Spirit is enabling him to write this down. In that context, we get a certain uh, lens by which we understand the story, even from Luke as he's penning this. And Luke records that this man is full of leprosy. It's the only account. In the other, in the three accounts that we have the story, that we get that we get that level of detail that this man was full of leprosy, not just a leper, but Luke the doctor said this leprosy had overtaken this man. He was late in the stages of his leprosy. It had overtaken his senses. It had overtaken his ability to probably walk. He probably was with a cane. He was probably stumbling. Leprosy had turned his skin probably white as it did. His skin is necrotic almost. And sometimes in some instances, it would make your skin so thin that there's reports of body parts falling off or skin flaking off. It's, this is the level that this man had this. He was full of leprosy. Luke the doctor tells us at the final stages, his last hope in life is recorded right here. His final hope in life was when he saw Jesus. And what does he do? He fell on his face. He fell on his face. Apparently, this man, full of leprosy, a social and religious outcast, heard about this one Jesus who had power and authority and had love and compassion that he might pour out on even him. And this one might be able to do something for him. And this man hobbles his way to Jesus and falls on his face. And that's important. I think a couple of reasons. Why does he fall on his face? One, out of humiliation. Here's a man of God. Here's one that is... He's gotten rumor, has power. His words have authority. He's probably heard about uh, casting out of demons, perhaps. The, the rumors, remember Luke, and almost every story over the last few weeks, word of him was spreading. He, he's, word has gotten to this man. So he falls maybe in humiliation because he's so unclean. He's so unworthy to even be near this one Jesus that has power and authority from God himself. Or maybe even is God himself. I think that's part of it. But I think he also falls on his face out of self-preservation because it says he walked into a city and he sees Jesus and he falls down because he knows he has just but moments before stones are picked up and people want to drive him out. So he's maybe even protecting himself because he wants a chance to just see and meet with this one, Jesus. Um, Because you would never touch a leper. You couldn't touch him. You stoned them until they hobbled their way out. 
because you would then be unclean if you touched one. So it's out of determination. He just, it's almost like he sees him and he just falls forward at Christ's feet. And he says, I'm not moving from here. Take up your stones. I'm right where I need to be. Out of determination, he knew this was, Jesus was his very last hope. And then the text tells us in verse 12, says that he begged him. He implored him. He had nothing to offer. He, he was begging Jesus. He fell at his feet, begging, imploring. He had no deal to make. He had no chip to play. He, he wasn't trying to say, well, look at all these things I've done, Lord. Can you do a little bit for me? No, he had nothing to bring to Jesus. He had nothing but need to bring to Jesus. He had empty hands of faith, and he falls on his face at the feet of the Lord Jesus in recognition of his divinity. And then he says, Lord, Lord, if you are willing you can make me clean. And he's, what he's saying here is, Lord, it's not a matter of your power. It's a matter of your will. Because he knows this is, this is him. This is the one that can make me clean. Lord, it's, it's not, it's not if, if it's in you, if you're able to, if we can make a deal here, if I can do some things for you, uh, then will you do this for me? There's no bargaining. There's no uh, trying to uh, get on his level. There's no, there's no bringing anything to the table. And it's not even, this, this leper knows, it's not even a question of can he, but will he? Because why would he do this for me? I am the worst. No one even talks. I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. Jesus, it's a matter of your will, not your power. It means you owe me nothing, Lord. You are not bound to do this. You do not have to do this, but you can if you choose. And he falls completely into and on the mercy of God. Um, and this, and it's interesting. Uh, I love even the how, what he says. Um, you can make me clean. He doesn't even say you can make me healthy. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, if this was us, if, if if he had just but a tiny bit of what I just described in the last few minutes of what leprosy looked like. My first reaction, knowing here's a guy that was healing people, I would fall at his feet and say, Lord, make me healthy. Get rid of this stuff in me. Just make me right. But that's not what he first asks for. His greatest need, his thing that comes out of his mouth, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Meaning, I can be made right with a holy God because I am unable to get near to him. Only you can do that, Jesus. Make me clean. By the mercy of God, make me clean. 
Only you can make it so I can go to synagogue and I can go to temple and I can sing the praises of God and I can be with God's people. Only you can make it so that I can approach God again because of my unclean state. Only you can make it so I can maybe hug my wife again, so I can see my children again face to face. We don't know if he has these things, but I can imagine only Jesus, you can do this by making me clean. The man doesn't just want to be healthy, he wants to be made right with God so he can approach God and so that he can love those around him well. Um, And he falls at the mercy of Jesus. Um, I, I love that that's his heart. It's not make me successful, make me healthy, make me, he's not, there's no deal making going on. Just make me clean. This man wants to be clean. And remember, you never touched a leper. If you touched a leper, you would therefore be unclean yourself. And you'd have to go through all the Old Testament ritual to be made clean again. And here, Jesus, verse 13, Jesus reached out. And the Greek word that uses that touched him is hopto. It's the same word in the, the arrest narrative when Jesus is arrested, that he is seized. So it's not just like a light, like it's the word picture you get is that Jesus seized this guy. He grabs him. He touches him. It's the most shocking moment in the entire narrative. Any other time someone would touch a leper, their leprosy transferred to that person and then they therefore were unclean and could not approach God and could not approach people. Here the Lord Jesus reaches down and seizes the untouchable one and his cleanness, his cleansing power transfers to this one and the one who is unclean is made clean by the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that was being read in a first century Jewish synagogue, an audible gasp would have come over the entire listener, listening audience. Um, He makes him clean. He reaches out and seizes. He grasps him. And it's the symbolism here of what Jesus' life will become. Your disease becomes mine. I'll take it. My purity and cleanliness and and cleanness becomes yours. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He touches him. He seizes him. He grabs him. Because that is the means by which God heals sinful man. It is by the declarative word of Jesus, you will be clean. And it is by the mercy of God and the will of God that he goes down and touches and grasps him. And the Bible says, just in this short little verse, says, I am willing. Jesus says, I am willing. And grabs him. You shall become a fisher of men. Who do we fish for? What does that mean? This one. This is the bottom of the social rung. Christ touches in verse 13. 
I am willing. And immediately the leprosy left him. The word of Christ, the touch of Christ, power and authority. And this one, Jesus. And this man, and it says immediately left him. It's like, it's like he, his baby flesh again. This one full of leprosy. This one on his last moments. This one, his, his Hail Mary. His, this, uh, if anyone can do it, it's this one. And he knew if, he, if Jesus just left him, people would have picked up rocks and thrown them at him. And he maybe was too weak to even move ever again. And he's made clean by Jesus. And the leprosy leaves him. And it's like he has baby skin. It's like as if he is born again. Right here. By the mercy of God, the touch of God, and the word of God. That was how he is saved. Amen? In verse 14, there's something that we need to note here as the text continues. It says, he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest. So in other words, he ordered him to not tell, to not stop along the way and tell all your friends. Or not go, don't go to your family first. Don't go to your children first if you have them. Don't go to those that you want to see. Go tell, tell no one, but first go to the priest. Now, why did he do this? There's a few reasons, maybe a few speculations or a few um, understandings here. Jesus didn't want to simply be looked at as like a healing clinic. Although as we go through the gospels, we know that that's kind of what happened in some cases with the crowds. But Jesus had higher reasons for what he was doing and why he was doing this. He says, go show yourself to the priest, to the religious leader, the one in the synagogue. Now, why is that important? Because Jesus' cleansing of this man, this goes all the way back into redemptive history, is a legal cleansing. There were rules for this. There was understandings. There was Levitical law even with God's priests about when a leper is cleansed and healed, what you would do. And how it would be sanctioned and understood and communicated in and through God's people. And so Jesus wanted to make sure that the religious leaders first knew that this was a legal cleansing. So the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, if you came down with a problem with your skin, one of them being leprosy, it's talked about in Leviticus 13 and 14. Um, there was a legal ceremony declaring by law that you were acceptable again to come back into God's presence so that you could approach God, that you were no longer unclean. Um, so it wasn't just sort of their word against, oh, I'm fine now, but it was this, it was this uh, uh, offering was made and it was all done within the confines of uh, God's precedent and God's blessing. And so Jesus says, go back because this man's cleansing is a legal cleansing. Jesus is showing, I am the only one who can do this. It's not outside the law. Thus now you can go to the temple. You can go to the synagogue. You can worship God. You, can, you are made right with God. You can offer sacrifice because that's the cleansing of Christ. It's lawful. It's legal in the economy of God. The original audience would have, uh, would have, would have known why this was the case. Rather than go to your family, first you do this. You take care of this. Um, but I think there's, there's another reason that he wanted him to go to Jewish leadership. Um, and we'll see it come to full fruition in 
uh, a few chapters from here, which might take us nine months, but I want to say it here. Um, John the Baptist, if you remember, the forerunner, the one that says the Messiah is coming, the one whom I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He baptizes Jesus. There's a few chapters that are coming when uh, John is in prison and his life is on the line. And uh, he's hearing that Jesus is being rejected by all these religious leaders, by all these people, and he's worried. And I imagine he's in that cell and he's wondering, did I get it wrong? Did I miss it? Did I not see something? Did I miss something? Did I not hear right from the angel? Did, did, I, get, did I get this wrong? And Jesus doesn't go rescue John, but he sends message to him. And he sends one message to John to comfort him. And he says, go tell him that the lepers are cleansed. That's all he gives him. Because that was the sign that Messiah had come. Remind John that the lepers are cleansed. They're made clean by my word. They're forgiven by my word. No one can forgive sin but God. And as we go next week into the story, uh, Luke is gonna further expound on only Jesus can forgive sins when we see the paralyzed one. Um, Only God can heal and cure and forgive sins and even cure leprosy. There's a story in 2 Kings um, that a man with leprosy comes to the king and it's recorded in 2 Kings 5. He says, am I God that I can heal you? Basically like, I'm not God. I can't rid you of this leprosy because this person comes and brings an an enormous uh, financial offering. He says, if I give you all of this money, will you heal me of this affliction? And the guy, the king looks at him and says, I'm not God. I can't do this. Jesus comes on the scene touches the one with leprosy and doesn't get it, but instead makes him clean. The Messiah has come. He's here. And uh, I'll try to make this kind of PG. Uh, I'm gonna go back to Leviticus and maybe give us some, a, a picture of what you would do in the Levitical law in Leviticus chapter 14 uh, should Uh, you have a skin ailment in order to find forgiveness and healing from that through this Levitical uh, process through the law. It kind of depicts this and talks about this. And what you would do in Leviticus chapter 14, it says that you take two doves. One dove would be the sacrificial dove. Uh, And you would spill its blood. I won't go into any more detail there because I see there's a few littles in here, including my own. And one dove would give its life and you'd capture its life in this bowl. Um, and then you had another dove that was alive and you'd take the bowl of the life of the, 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 the other dove that was no longer alive and you'd take clean and purified water and you would fill it into this bowl, Leviticus tells us. And then you would take a sprig or a weed that would grow up on walls. It was called hyssop. And it had these little brill fibers on it. And they were used as brushes. And you would dip this hyssop branch into this bowl of the one blood that was spilled in the cleansing water that the priest would have purified it with. And you would dip the hyssop branch and you would cover the living dove's head 
in this water and blood mixture and you would release the other dove to be free at the healing of one who had been healed of a physical skin affliction. And this would be the job of a priest to perform this ceremony of those that have been healed by a skin affliction. Um, and this happened every time in the temple. It was a ceremonial thing that happened and this taught God's people something important that you are made clean because the living thing gives its life in your place. Because someone died in your place, the bird goes free, the water has cleansed it because of the death of someone else had died in its place, you are now made right and clean and can enter back into right standing with God and his people and that's the higher truth for God's people in Leviticus 13 and 14 as you walk through it. And Jesus, last week, said, you will be fishers of men. And who do we fish for? Lepers. We're all lepers before God, church. And the way that God will heal us, ultimately, finally, and fully, is he will be the one that will die in our place. His blood will be the blood that cleanses us. His blood will be the one that will cover us where we can find no healing of our own, where we are desperate and all we have to do is we fall on our face at the feet of the Lord Jesus and his good mercy can be the only thing that can save us and heal us and bring us back into right standing with God, with humanity, with each other and with society at large. Only Jesus can do this and he does it by his shed blood. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. A couple of things as we close that we learn about through this text that I think uh, the Lord wants us to, to glean. This, this text teaches us something about sin as we study this leper, as we understand this leper. Um, it teaches us that just like this leper had leprosy that was, could never be cured, it was gonna overtake him, Sin is the same way. Uh, it will overtake you. It will, it will grab hold of you. It is our condemnation. It separates us from God. No matter how hard we try, we cannot solve it on our own. We cannot get out of it. We cannot pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can't make a deal with God. We can't bring enough money to be cleansed by it from God. Only God can heal leprosy. We can never undo our sin. We have a problem that disfigures our vision, our sight, our perception on reality, our ability to navigate in the world. That's what sin does. It corrupts our hearts and minds. It corrupts relationships. It corrupts families. It corrupts marriages. It corrupts parenting. It corrupts everything that it touches, and it slowly kills you by inches, just like leprosy. And only one can cure. And we can't navigate the world we're in if we are enslaved to it and we let it creep its way all the way over us. It blinds our vision. We cannot hear clearly and we cannot navigate the world around us. That's what sin does and that's when we see and encounter this leper, we're supposed to see ourselves in this reality. And what's worse is that a leper couldn't approach God and us in our sin, we can't approach God. 
We can't enter into his presence. We can't enjoy him. We can't enjoy his people. We can't enjoy his teachings. We, we instead love uh, the things that are vile in the world than the things of God that he teaches us that we should hold on to. Uh, but the text also teaches us, church, something about grace. About grace. The church, you and I are saved the same way this man is cleansed. How is that? You fall down motionless, helpless, with no hope but Jesus, speechless, defenseless, with nothing in your hands before your sovereign Lord Jesus Christ. You don't try to make a deal with him just like he didn't. You don't try to cash in on your goodness. You don't try to tip the scales. Nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to the cross of Christ I cling. You say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You appeal to the mercy of God. And God and his mercy and his goodness moves on our behalf. Just like he did with the leper. In his good mercy. And you ask at his word. And his word is power. The same word that made the heavens and the earth, the same word that separated light and darkness is the same word that regenerates our hearts and gives us new life in Christ. It's the same word. Restores us, makes us new, makes us clean. Third, the text tells us something about Jesus. That he does not turn anyone away that comes by faith. The rest of the crowd will pick up stones to want to harm this one. Jesus stops, turns, listen, listens, and embraces. The very least of these. Not only does he listen, he embraces, he seizes this one. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He who knew no sin became sin, the leper, that we might know the righteousness of God. And this text tells us also something about salvation. That our salvation was not outside the perfect law of God. Um, that like the leper, and Jesus orders it correctly, you go tell the priest, and the priest had a rite and ritual after the cleansing of the skin disease, would do something to, to call him righteous, to call him clean, to bring him back into the fold with God's people, Jesus in the same way is not doing anything outside of the perfect legal law of God. The penalty and the law of God for sin is the shedding of blood and death. And Jesus will pay it all to the full so that you and I can be cleansed to the uttermost, Hebrews tells us. That we now have a legal right standing with God. Not just God doing you a favor, but he obeying the law perfectly, fulfilling all the commandments to bring sinful humanity back to him by faith and creating for him a new people that we can stand forgiven and clean. And he provided us his righteousness and he takes for himself our own sin. Our salvation is a just salvation, just like it was here for this leper. That we can be welcomed into the fold of God rightly. And lastly, this text, I believe, shows us uh, what saved people and healed people do. I know he said, don't tell anyone, but he said, first tell the priest. But ultimately, what he says is, go and show yourself to the priest. 
So after this has happened, I think it's an order of events. You know for a fact, after he did what was right to make him legally clean in the temple of God, he was showing everyone. He was a leper. And Jesus says, go do it in the correct way. Go and show yourself. Go and tell that the Savior has come, the only one that can heal to this degree, to heal the very bottom of the rung. He can save me. He can save anyone who might come to him in faith and lay down and fall uh, fall at his feet on their face and say, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. We too, church, are to go and show and go and tell our Messiah has come and he has saved us from sin and death and the grave and grants to us everlasting life that he imputes to us by his good favor and his powerful word. Church, let's pray and rejoice in him this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your words are power. We thank you, God, that uh, even in this story, we see ourselves in this leper, sinful. Lord, outside of you, before we came to know you, we had no ground to stand on. We had no leg to stand on. We had nothing to bargain with. We had no chip to play that God might see us favorably. And so we too, Jesus, like this leper, fall at the feet of our Lord Jesus an appeal to the very mercy of God. And he grants to us now his mercy and grace and gives us his righteousness and takes our sin. And so we rejoice in Jesus, our good and marvelous savior. If he can save this one, he can save anyone here who has not come to know you. And so Lord, I pray you do what only you can do. If you're here this morning and you don't know the saving good work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who can cleanse, the one who can save, the one who, it doesn't matter your past, it doesn't matter all of those things, if you would come to him by faith and fall at his feet and bring nothing, but cling to him and his righteousness, he is the one able to save and cleanse and bring you in right standing. So if you've never done that this morning, would you, Would you go to the Lord Jesus and just like this leper, say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And I believe he will today. He is a good God. If you've been walking with him for a long time and you felt the sin that so easily entangled just creep back into your life, would you this morning in response to worship appeal to his mercy, that his goodness and mercy would fall on you afresh today and that your heart and mind that, the, that would be stirred to worship our good God, our Lord Jesus Christ who stood in our place, who granted and gave you his righteousness and took our sin and may it spill over into songs of praise here this morning. Lord, we love you. We are undeserving. We are like this leper. But thank you that in your good mercy and grace, you have called us and made us new. We are born again. We are now all considered those in faith, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we collectively together want to give you much praise and much rejoicing in what you've done in and through us and what you will continue to do because your promises are true. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Church, will you stand? Worship this morning.